Amen. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit would meet with us today. If he's not at work, then what we do is in vain today. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 9. If you would please, 1 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to do something today that I've not done. I'm going to preach part 1 today and part 2 next Sunday. So you'll need to be here next Sunday as we see this message. It was either that or keep you for an hour today, and I knew that wasn't going to happen. So 1 Samuel chapter 9. I want to, really the reason for the length of this message is because of the amount of scripture that we're going to cover here. Instead of just taking a text verse and uh, passage and really digging into that, I'm looking at this life of Saul, the story about King Saul of Israel, and it covers several chapters. Um, I want you to see with me in verse number 15 of chapter 9, 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse number 15. Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear a day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow, about this time, I will send thee a man out of the land of Benjamin, and thou shalt anoint him to be a captain over my people Israel, that he may save my people out of the land, out of the hand of the Philistines, for I have looked upon my people because their cry is come upon me. In verse number 17, And when Samuel saw Saul, the Lord said unto him, Behold, the man whom I spake of thee of, this same shall reign over my people. Look me in chapter number 10, in verse number 1, in chapter 10, 1 Samuel, verse number 1, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head, kissed him, and said, It is not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be king over the inheritance, when thou art departed from me today. And uh, he then goes and tells Saul what's going to happen in verse number 9. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. We read of a story of a man named Saul. The, key, the people begged God and wanted a king. God wanted to be their king, and he wanted them just to worship him and follow him. But the people, the people previously said, to, the people of Israel said, give us a king, give us a king. And, and God gave them a king. And this king was this man by the name of Saul. Saul wasn't a boaster. He, wasn't a, uh, he, he, he was a humble man. Matter of fact, in in. in 1 Samuel chapter number 10, verse number 15, uh, and Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And Saul said unto, him, unto his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found, but of the matter of the kingdom whereof Samuel spake, he told him not. Uh, Saul went away to find his father's animals that had run away, and, and, and in the process of trying to find them, they couldn't find them, he came upon Samuel and thought, I'll, I'll ask Samuel. Samuel, he'll know what to do. And so Saul is thinking he's going for one reason, and God is preparing this meeting that uh, is going to take place. And the day prior, God says to Samuel, there's going to be a man that's going to come, and, and, and when, I, when I show you who that is, that man is going to be the one that I'm going to anoint king. He was a good man. 
And then he comes back and, and his uncle hears that he talked to Samuel and, and knew that nothing that Samuel had to say was ever a, of, a, of a waste. And so he said, tell me, what, what, did, what did Samuel tell you? And, and he kept this a secret. He didn't say, I'm going to be the king. Now, how many of us could keep that a secret? If you were going to be the king, I, I'd have blabbed that to everybody. My uncle would have found out before I even got there. I would have, I'd have told everybody, I'm, I'm the next king. Can you believe this? But it shows, it shows that Saul at this point in his life wasn't a bragger. In 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse number 20, and when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. They were going to anoint the king and put lots out and they put the lots out and the tribe of Benjamin picked it and they came and when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families in chapter 10 verse 21 the family of uh, Matra was taken and, and Saul the son of Kish was taken and when they sought him he could not be found and therefore they inquired of the Lord further if the man should yet come thither and the Lord answered behold he hath hid himself among the stuff all the people had gathered together and and when it was time for Saul to be anointed Saul knew he was going to be king we we just read previously that Samuel had already told him when it was time for him to be introduced to all of the people you find Saul hiding he, he he's not seeking this he's not wanting this he's a he's humble and Samuel says something in verse number 24. Look what he says. And Samuel said to all the people, see ye him. Once they found him, they pulled him out and, and presented him to the people. And Samuel says, see ye him, speaking of Saul, whom the Lord hath chosen, that there is none like him among all the people. Samuel says, this is a great man. There's, no, there's not a man like this man in all of Israel. And Samuel gives him this great compliment. He's He's head and shoulders above the rest. In verse number 6 of chapter number 11, if you'll follow along with me, and the Bible says this, the Spirit of God came upon Saul. When he heard, heard those tidings and his anger was kindled greatly, what, what happened in chapter number 11, and I don't have the time to go through every one of these chapters, but what, what's happening is there's a battle that's going to take place, and the first, the first battle that takes place now where Saul is king Saul leads this people, and the Bible tells us that some 330,000 men, soldiers, went with Saul to defeat the Ammonites. 330,000. A great victory, and God, God was great victory that day. Look with me in verse number 15. The Bible says, And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal, and they, there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there, there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. What a, what a wonderful, great day this is for Israel. Israel Finally, they have a man that, that is chosen by the Lord, a, a humble man, a man that can lead them, a, a man that can go in and out and, 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 and do great victories. And, and, and this is what the Lord desired in verse number 15, that the Lord got praise, the Lord got glory. Saul wasn't, wasn't lifted up as being the, the great one, but the Lord, the sacrifices were given to the Lord. And the people, the people praised God. 
The Spirit of God came upon him. What a wonderful thing that is. Saul is amazingly used of God. The story of Saul is humble beginnings and his willingness to be used of God and God's willingness to use him. Great victories that Saul was able to, to bring to Israel. Israel is going to be at peace. And what a, what a wonderful thing this is with this man. Yet, yet this same man, this same man, Saul, that we just read of, that God was pleased with. The, the, the same man, Saul, that, that got this great victory where the people rejoiced and praised God. The same man that Samuel said, Samuel said this, in my, in my own words, he's saying, isn't this, isn't this man great? Aren't we glad he's our king? There's none like him. This same man died in rebellion against God. The last consultation this man had was before he died, he, he, he went and saw a witch. Remember the story of Saul? He said, I can't, I'm trying to get a hold of the Lord. I can't hear him. And so he, before the battle that he died, he went and he saw this witch. He became a madman. This man that Samuel said, isn't he a great man? He died a madman. A man to whom God refused to speak. This is, this is what Paul or Saul became. As I read through these several chapters, in my mind, I thought, what a sad ending to this man. What a sad ending to this man. This, this man, Saul, who was, people were so excited about, where 330,000 soldiers ran with him to, to defeat the Ammonites in a great victory, this, this man goes down into a downward spiral into insanity and madness. This man, Saul. When I, when I see a, a man like this, when I read this passage of Scripture, I ask myself this question, what happened? What happened? How, how, could, a, how could a man go from being used so greatly by God to dying and God not wanting to speak to him? Where, where, where is that pivotal moment, that pivotal point that this man became this one that God rejected? Is, is there, if you study the life of Saul, is there a, a single moment in his life that you can point to that, that, that he's changed from this humble, anointed king to this man now that is a madman that dies without hearing from God? This man Saul was a praying man. This man Saul was once a, a believing man. It, it looked good for Saul. Matter of fact, God had plans for this man. God planned for Saul to, to, to be the king and, 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 and Jonathan then to, to be the king and Saul's family to, to reign over Israel. That was God's plan. And then how did this end? There's got to be a, a pivotal point. And there is. 
And, and there's a, there is a pivotal point, and it's the same, the same pivotal point that all of us reach that decide to turn away from faith and try to go our own way into our flesh. And that's what Saul did. Saul turned away from faith and said, I'm going to start to make my decisions for my life. Saul, Saul turned away from what God's commandments were and, and, and said, I, I'm going to use my own wisdom in making decisions for my life. And try to accomplish this same pivotal point is for us as we try to accomplish in our own strength that what God says can only be accomplished in his strength. It's when we try to live our lives in our wisdom and in our knowledge and our strength making the decisions we want instead of listening to God. It's the same pivotal point that Paul or Saul made that we make. And look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 13. First Samuel 13, the Bible shows us this pivotal point. Leading up to this place, we, we read of Saul, what a wonderful man he is. But not long into Saul's reign as king, something changes in Saul. And I want to take you this morning through this downward spiral. I want, I want to show you the, the consequences of not fully trusting God. And there are consequences in not fully trusting God. And, and, and listen to me today. I, 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 pray you, I pray you hear me today. Don't let this just be another message because there's going to be, in every single one of our lives, there's going to be a, a testing of our faith. There's going to be a, a testing of our faith. Are we, are we going to allow God to work or are we going to, to, to Decide what's necessary for ourselves. Are we going to wait upon God or are we going to decide what needs to be done? In every, in every marriage, it's going to come to this place. And in your life and in every situation, every single person here is going to face a pivotal point in your life. You are either going to trust God or you're going to decide that God isn't trustworthy. You're either going to believe what God says or you're going to take matters into your own hands. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 13. We find, we find a man by the name of Saul. The war clouds began to form. The Philistines gather against Israel. Verse number 5, the Philistines gather themselves together to fight with Israel. 30,000 chariots. It's a lot of chariots. 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen. So with those 30,000 chariots are these horsemen. These are, these are horsemen that are arrayed in, in battle gear. These are horsemen that sit upon these horses that are arrayed in battle gear. They have their swords and their weapons, and they're going to fight Saul. And, and, and something is happening in Israel. Right now, if you were to study through these several chapters here, you would find that the Philistines would not allow for there to be a, a, uh, a blacksmith in Israel. And so therefore, when all of Israel now is getting ready to face this battle, there's only two people that actually have a weapon. Saul and Jonathan. Out of all of the army of Israel, there's only two swords. 
Because the Philistines did not want for Israel to, to get uh, weapons of war. And so these others that are going to come, they're going to come with, with farming tools, pitchforks and axes. And, and could, you imagine, could you imagine getting excited? I'm going to go to war, and there's only two people that have a sword, and there's, there's, there's 30,000 horsemen on the other side, and 6,000, uh, or 30,000 chariots, and 6,000 horsemen. And to go along with that, the Bible says... And the people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. So, so looking out, you, you just see a, a, a flood of people. And you look around and Saul's got a sword. And Jonathan's got a sword. And I've got like this, this, this hoe. <laughs> this, this, this axe. This This shovel. How many of you are going to be ready to fight? Saul comes to this place. The people are afraid. Look at me in verse number 6 of chapter 13. When the people of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were distressed. They're worried. Then the people did hide themselves in caves and thickets and in rocks and high places and in pits. And some of the Hebrews went over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. And so now, now we have people running. They're, they're worried. Saul, he's getting ready to fight. And, and here he is. He's got his sword. And Jonathan's got his sword. And they look around and everyone starts running. They're hiding in caves and thickets and pits and high places, mountains. They, they, they flood over the borders into uh, across Jordan and, and they're doing anything they can to get away from this battle. They're in panic. The people are in panic because of the battle that's getting ready to take place. What's Saul to do? Before this battle could take place, before Israel could move... When Samuel was alone with Saul, he said this. He said, any time that we go to battle, Saul, I want you to meet me in Gilgal. And when you get, or, or Gilead, I'm sorry, I want you to meet me in Gilead, and when you get there, I, I want you to wait seven days. And, and in that waiting of seven days, I'm going to get there. And when I get there, I'm going to sacrifice the Lord. Because God wants it known to the whole world that victory doesn't come by strategy of the king. Victory doesn't come because of plans of man. But by sacrificing to God through prayer and through confidence in God. No other way. He wants the people of God to, to live in such a way that when the enemies, the world sees them, they say, how? in the world could a victory be had when there's only two weapons? How in the world we had 60,000 uh, uh, chariots? We had 6,000 men. We had people as the sand of the sea. In Israel, no matter what we do, no matter what we bring at them, they always get the victory. That's what God wanted the people to see Israel. It wasn't going to be because the king that they feared Israel. It was going to be because of God. God wanted to establish a people that were called by his name. And any time there was a battle, the victory was theirs because they depended upon God. God told Samuel to say to Saul, any time, don't do anything. Just get there and wait. And wait seven days. 
I, I, I don't know what the, the reason for seven days was. I, I, I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe it just gave Samuel time to get there. But it was God's plan to wait seven days. What we're going to do is when we get there, when I get there, before you go to war, before you strategize, before you worry, before you panic, before you start making up a plan because you think God's forgotten about you, you just wait there seven days. And when I come there, we're going to sacrifice. We're going to show that we're going to sacrifice before we go to battle. Don't go to battle before sacrificing to God. He said, you'll always meet me in Gilgal. And wait. Waiting on God is always the hardest thing for us to do. But God said to Saul, do nothing. Don't go to battle. Don't you sacrifice. Don't do anything. Do nothing at all, but trust my word. And hear me, church, this is the pivotal place for Saul. And this is the pivotal place for most of us. But we'll trust him until we think he's not going to come through. God says to Saul, I'm looking for a man after my own heart. You have to trust me. Now, if you're in Saul's position and you see everyone that is gone, you, you see that nobody's left, and, 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 you, and you hear the rumblings of the chariots, you have, you have no weapons to fight with. If, if you were in Saul's situation, how many of us right now would say, you know what, I, I think I understand why Saul did what he did. He sacrificed before Samuel came. Instead of waiting on, on Samuel, he said, it's, Samuel's not coming. And, 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 and the people, the enemy's coming, and Samuel's delayed coming. I've got to do something. And listen, that's the pivotal moment in many of our lives that we get to. We think this, God's not coming. I've got to make a plan. God's forgotten to show up. I've got to come up with something. You see Saul, you, 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 you see that Saul is down to 600 men, and, and, and all 600 of those just have farm tools to fight with. You, you see that everyone else is scattered. Where is the 330,000 soldiers that, that fought with Saul and got that battle at the Amorites at victory? Where are those men? You see Saul now is at a place where you would say, God should give Saul a break. He ought to cut him some slack. Maybe you see this and you say, how is this man supposed to go against this great army? This man is being tested by God. What God has done is God has gotten Saul to the place where he is going to decide, am I either going to trust God and obey God and believe his word and, 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 and prove him today or am I going to take matters in my own hands because I think God's forgotten me? This is a pivotal moment. Oh, hear me. Hear me, please, because this is not just a pivotal moment for Saul. This is a pivotal moment where many of us live. 
we're at a place and we look at all of our circumstances all around us. And the question is this, is he going to trust God? Is he going to trust him at his word? Or is he going to depend on his own wit, his own strategy to get him through? What God wanted out of this man that he wouldn't say that God anointed me. What God desired out of Saul was for Saul to stand and, and, and the chariots are, are coming and the, and the horsemen are coming and he looks around and, and everyone's forsaken him. But, but what God is wanting is for Saul to stand and say, my anointing is from God. My calling is from God. I, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to decide what needs to be done. I'm going to do nothing but trust God. Saul was supposed to stay and wait. But waiting was too hard for Saul. Saul looked around and he looked at the circumstances and he said, Samuel's not coming. We, we, we need to sacrifice. And so Saul begins to build an altar. And instead of waiting and obeying the commandments of God, what Saul does is Saul makes a sacrifice here. And Saul wasn't supposed to sacrifice, Samuel was. Saul was supposed to wait. Saul was supposed to believe God. Listen to me, the circumstances all around you doesn't dictate God's power. The, 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 the chariots and the horsemen and the, and the people of the sand of the sea, none of that worried God. It wasn't like God showed up and said, oh no, what are we going to do? I wasn't expecting 30,000 chariots, Saul. I wasn't expecting uh, uh, 6,000 horsemen, Saul. No, what God was doing was God was putting uh, Saul at a place because God wanted Saul to prove him. And listen to me, many of times God puts us in a place because God wants you to prove him. God wants you to do nothing but trust him. Do nothing but wait upon him. And just like Saul, that pivotal point in Saul's life is the same pivotal point that we make in our life. Are we going to, are we going to decide that God is not going to deceive us? That God is not going to lie to us? That God's word is true? Or are we going to take God and say, God, I don't know if I can trust you. to me today, God allowed conditions to spin out of control for Saul. It was God that said, I'm going to take and allow all of this to happen. It, it was God that said, I'm going to send these chariots and I'm going to send these horsemen and I'm going to put my king, the one that I've called, because, because I, need, I, need, I need to put Saul here because there's more coming my way. There's more coming for Israel. And I need a king that's going to trust me. Listen, God's going God's to put you right there because God needs a, a family. God needs a husband. God needs a wife that's going to trust him. God needs a family that's going to trust him. God needs a church that's going to trust him. 
God's going to allow and going to orchestrate. And you might think that things are spinning out of control, but instead of spinning out of control, God is spinning all of those things under his control. He was testing this man. He was testing Saul. He was putting Saul to the test. Listen, we don't like it. We love all the promises. We love to sing the praises. We love all of the, 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 the things in God's word. We just don't like it when he tests us with them. Well, I like to read through the Psalms. I just don't want him to test me with them. I love, I love to read the promises of God. I just don't want to get to a place where I have to live them. God says, Saul, I'm going to get you to a place where you've got to believe me. I'm going to get you to a place where you've got to live this. He's testing this man. And God is wanting to know, Saul, are you going to take matters into your own hands? Or are you going to trust me? This is the pivotal point for Saul. And this is the pivotal point for us in our lives. Are you going to trust God? Or are you going to take matters in your own hands? Are you going to decide what next step is? Listen to me, Saul. I've got a spear or a sword, and Jonathan's got a sword. Everybody else has left me. I hear the rumblings. I, I, went, I went to Gilgal, and I'm, I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting for Samuel, and he's not showing up. I, 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 don't know, I don't know how much longer I can hold this off. By every measurement, it's hopeless for Saul. By every measurement, you look around, you read this, you think, Saul, it's, it's hopeless. But oftentimes, God gets us to the place where it almost seems hopeless, where it, because life is one crisis after another. Many, many in this room, it's not like you've just experienced one crisis in your life. It almost seems like I go from one crisis to the next crisis, and it seems hopeless. And God is allowing those things because God wants you to realize this, that if you'll wait upon him, if you'll trust his word, if you'll prove, you, if you'll prove him, he will always come through. You look at this situation, you say this, surely God doesn't want this man to do nothing. And so often in our situations in life, we think to ourselves, God obviously wants me to do something. No, God wants you to wait. God wants you to trust. God wants you to depend upon him. Samuel said to Saul, wait for me. Why, why was it so important? Why, why was it so necessary? Why did it need for Samuel to come? Because until the enemy sees us worshiping the Lord, until the enemy sees us sacrificing to his name, until we seek the face of God for, for his direction, he says, wait for me, because what we are doing is we're showing the Philistines, we're showing the Amalekites, we're showing the Amorites, we're showing, we're showing every crisis, every obstacle, every enemy, that when we wait upon God, God's word is always true and he always comes through for his people. That's what the point of this was. 
This was a place where the people had to trust. This is a place where the king had to get to the place where he said, I don't have the answers. I'm not even going to try. I'm just simply going to obey. And this is the pivotal moment for Saul. The hardest thing in the world when crisis comes, we want to pick up the phone. What do I do? The hardest thing in the world. We want to try to make things happen immediately. And, and really, if you think about this man, Saul, he had so many promises. He had so much going for him. God wanted to bless him. God did bless him. God, God, God gave him a great victory against the Amorites. And then Saul gets into a crisis and he says, I'm going to go it alone. I'm going to do it my way. Saul no longer waited upon God. And, and when Samuel came, he said, Samuel, you delayed your coming. He said, I waited for you. I went to where you told me to go, and I waited for you these seven days. And Samuel, you delayed your coming. And I, I, I don't know this. It doesn't say this here, but I guarantee you this because God doesn't lie. Samuel got there before midnight on the seventh day. So how do I know that? Because God doesn't lie. And God said to tell Saul, before we go to war, you tell him to get there, and you tell him to wait for me there seven days. And here comes Samuel. Just like God promised, here comes Samuel. And Samuel says, Saul, what have you done? Maybe, maybe as Samuel's getting there, it's late in the evening and Saul thinks that he's gone, he's come late and he sees the, the fire and he sees the smoke coming from this sacrifice and he, and he comes to Saul and he says, Saul, what have you done? God gets you to a place. How is God supposed to prove to you that he's trustworthy? if he doesn't get you to a place to prove that he's trustworthy. Oh, he could say it. I'm trustworthy. You can trust me. But you know what God does? Brother Tom, he puts you at a place to prove he's trustworthy. You don't have to just believe it. You know it because it's real. God didn't just want Saul to know that he's faithful. He wanted to prove to Saul that he was faithful. He didn't want to just to Saul to know that he was trustworthy. He wanted to prove to Saul that he was trustworthy. So what did he have to do? He had to spin Saul's life out of control so that Saul would get to the place where he'd say, you're right and you're real. Your promises are true. And Saul's response to Samuel was this. You didn't show up on time. What he was really saying is God didn't show up on time. And this was a pivotal moment for him. 
Look with me in chapter 13. Read with me in verse number 10. Follow along if you would. And it came to pass that as soon as he made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Look, look, what, it, look what it says. As soon as he made an end of the offering, the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. As soon as he finished is when Samuel walks up. If, if, if Saul just would have waited. If he just would have rested. If he, if he just would have believed God's word. Those few moments where he took matters into his own hands because he thought God left him were those few moments that became a pivotal point in his life. And look what happened. Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him and that he might salute him. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me. Thou camest not within the days appointed and, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together to mix mash. Therefore said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me. This is where he went wrong. Stop saying I. He said, therefore said I. Philistines will come down upon me in Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. That's where Saul went wrong. Anytime you take and you replace God with your own thoughts, you've got trouble. And Samuel said to Saul in verse 13, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. What is he saying? God wanted to give this to you. God wanted a king that would stay faithful. God wanted a king that would stand. Yes, the people have forsaken you, but you're anointed king. He said this in verse 14, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. The saddest day for Saul he said, I thought I needed to go it alone. You know what he said? I thought God needed my help. Oh, church, listen to this morning. We're to fully trust God. We're not to panic and fear. We're fully to trust him, fully trust him. When life seems like it's spiraling out of control, that's when God wants to see who you trust. Don't pick up the phone and start calling everyone. What do I do? Where do I go? Stay where God has placed you and do what God's told you to do. Your circumstances may seem out of control, but God is still sitting on His throne and God is still trustworthy. God saw the Philistine army. 
listen to me, God was, he could hear the conversations that were going on in the general's tents and the king's tents of the Philistine army. He knew what they were up to. Those that came across that were Philistines. He knew the number of hairs on their head. There was nothing that worried God about this battle. See, it wasn't about the battle. And your crisis isn't about the crisis. It's about God proving to you in that crisis who he is and that you can depend upon him. We get looking at the crisis. We start looking at the 30,000 chariots and the 6,000 horsemen and the debt and, and our finances and our, and, our, and our issues and our problems and our weaknesses and our sickness. And, 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 and we're supposed to get our mind and our thoughts off of those things and keep our mind and our thought upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And that and in him is where we're going to find our strength. God sees your problems. Listen, there's not a person here today that God doesn't know what you're up against. He knows what you're dealing with. Oh, we know this verse so often. We quote this when things are good. But this is a verse to live when things are spiraling out of control. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You hear me today? Without faith... The pivotal moment in Saul's life is that he lacked faith in God. And he said, God, you're late. You didn't do what you said you'd do. And so I had to take matters in my own hands. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. You know what that means? Just like when Saul said, when you didn't come, I thought. Verse number 12, therefore said I... Problem number one. You don't know what to do when crisis comes, so just trust God. Most of the times when we do, we are going to be like Saul, where Samuel comes and says, why are you so foolish? What made you think you knew more than God? What made you think that God's not trustworthy? Listen to me today. God doesn't cut any slack to his children who's commanded to trust him. He took the whole kingdom away from Saul. Part one to my message and part two is gonna show us what happens Part two is gonna show us once a person gets to this pivotal place and they start to live past this pivotal place, there's some consequences that come. The next Sunday, I wanna show you the consequences that came to Saul's life because he stopped trusting God. He's your refuge, he's your strength. Let the consequences be what they are. Trust God. Every single man and every woman that trusts God in every crisis to the very end, you will be honored. God will honor his word. God will honor you. God will honor those that say, I'm gonna stay faithful to him. I'm gonna trust him. He's not turning his back. Listen, he never turned his back on Saul. 
He just gave Saul long enough to prove what he was. That crisis you're in, God isn't not, he's he's not forgotten you. He's just got you in that crisis long enough to prove who you are. Whether you're going to be a man, whether you're going to be a woman, whether you're going to be a child of God that depends upon him through thick and thin, through every crisis, whether it seems like it's hopeless or not, I'm going to depend upon God. That's what he's after. That's what he's wanting you to do. And he also gives you long enough to say, you know what, I think I'll do this in my own strength. And when a person comes to that place, they've reached that pivotal point in their life where they stopped trusting God's word. And from that point forward, I'm gonna show you next week what happens. It's a tragedy. You say, what's the solution? Something happened between this time in Saul's life and us today, and it's called the cross. And we must run to the cross. We must take our problems to the cross, our worries to the cross. If you're here today and you've never been to the cross the first time for salvation today, you need to run to the cross. In the blood that Jesus Christ shed upon the cross, the grave that he rose again out of, you must trust that he is the Savior, that he is the Son of God. Believe him. Ask him to forgive you of your sin and confess him as your Savior and trust him today. For those of us that are in crisis, you need to realize this, that God will honor you in that crisis if you, by faith, will stay through it. Run to the cross for strength. Run to the cross for hope. Saul is at a place, instead of Saul just saying, I messed up, I failed, I'm wrong, he made excuses. Samuel, you didn't come when you said you'd come. The people all scattered. What was I supposed to do? And listen to me, so often, so many of us, we make excuses for ourselves and we start believing it. And then we don't want to listen to people like Samuel that tries to get us out of that excuse making because in that excuse making, we compromise. And that compromise came with consequences. Today, whatever crisis you're in, whatever battle you're facing. This week, I got a call early on Thursday morning from from Scott Hammerker and said, I need you to come. My wife's mother's in the hospital. I don't think she's going to make it. Later on that day, we got a message from Jean and Michelle. We need you at the hospital. We situation, the baby's 35 weeks along, and these kidney stones, and can't just go in there and break them up, the baby. Got a phone call. Bill hit, went to the doctor, and his MRI and his scans all came back. It's third stage cancer. Those are just the ones I can tell you. Those are just the ones that are public enough to pray.
what do we do? We get to Gilgal. We wait. You say, how can you wait when life is spinning out of control? Because it's what God said to do. But you've got to come up with something. You've you got to have an answer for me. The answer is trust God. The answer is don't get to the place where you think you have the answer. The answer is trust him. Run to him. Wait on him. Because if not, consequences come. And once you start looking at the consequences that come, hurt, shame, and guilt. Wait upon God. He orders your steps. And if right now his steps ordered for you is crisis, so you depend upon him, wait and trust him in it.